Welcome to the It's a Hustle podcast. We have a special week for you this week. We just recently did our first live taping of the It's a Hustle podcast at the Connecticut Comedy Festival. So this week we will be airing those interviews with Amy Hawthorne, the booker of the New York Comedy Club, Emilio Savone, the owner of the New York Comedy Club, Rel Battle, the founder of Roast Battle, and Paul Verzi, our big headliner from our two-year anniversary show. Uh, please check them all out. I think these were some of our best yet, and I hope you enjoy them. All right. Uh, our next guest is uh, one of my dear friends, uh, one of our partners here at Fairfield Comedy Club, owner of the New York Comedy Club, and uh, by all accounts, a really nice guy. Uh, give it up for Emilio Savone. Thank Welcome, you. Thank Emilio. You. Thank you, Joe. I've spent so much time with you this week. I know. I'm it's, not sick of you yet, though. It, it's a lot. I really am a nice guy. You are. Yeah. Well, sometimes you're uh, you're always nice. Yeah. Sometimes you're difficult. I, I can be difficult. Whenever there's like a new room, you're like kind of a maniac. Yeah. Well, I'm. A, I'm <laughs> Amy laughs. I'm usually a maniac all the time. Uh, Amy is very happy. The whole New York Comedy Club crew is very happy that we that we're involved in all these other projects. Because if we weren't, I'd be putting all my craziness on them. So I put it on you. <laughs> Well, I, I don't mind it. I, the good news about your craziness is usually it's, uh, it's smart craziness. Like, uh, just to kind of explain, you know, when we first started this room here at Fairfield uh, two years ago, you know, we're setting up, we're doing everything, and, you know, Beach and I are, like, running the show, and then Emilio would be there hovering in the back. He's like, oh, you should do this. You should do, you're doing this. And I'm like, yeah, dude, we're, we're doing that. We know. Yeah, we know we should have a, a light on the stage. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he's always got good advice, but whenever it's a new place... He's like crazy. So we had the first show at the Wall Street Theater and like the day before it was like, oh, should we email him this? I'm like, what about this? I'm like, uh, they know how to run a theater. Uh, <laughs> they, they, they yeah, I was like do. trying to give advice to the people running the theater and what to do. He's like, hey, I, Amy, it was literally like what a producer does to us <laughs> when you're like, what is wrong with these people? And I'm usually quiet because I'm like, that's what I would do. I would be all over us. <laughs> well, but, but like I said, you're always spot on. Like your ideas are always great. Uh, so I, you know, I'm, I'm used to it. It doesn't bother me anymore. <laughs> well, cause I, I still, you know, and again, not to keep talking about Amy, but we were really close and my partner, Scott, at the New York comedy club, we don't really view ourselves as people who own these clubs. We view ourselves as promoters and producers. We're the same people who, you know, are hustling every single day. This is still very new to us. We've only been doing this now for, it's going to be five years that we've actually owned our own clubs, uh, in August. So, you know, but we were promoters for, you know, 10 plus years. So, you know, when, when I meet someone who is trying to produce something or a comic or anyone who is trying to start from the bottom up, I still very much think like them versus someone who's a comedy club owner. So when I'm around other club owners, I don't really feel as much of a connection with them. I feel much more of a connection to a young comic because yeah. I see what they're trying to do. I'm trying to do that too. Um, and so when we work with these crazy producers, I like the crazy because I think to myself, well, they're crazy because they care. I'm that way. So this has got to be successful. Whereas yeah. Amy's like, why are you making me deal with these crazy people? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they, they are crazy and you're you're crazy for sure. Yeah. Um, but in a delightful way, I hope. No. Yeah, definitely. I was saying to Beecher, I'm like, oh, we were excited. Me, it was going to be here all weekend. Like it's uh yeah, no, it's nice to have you. Yeah, I, uh, I've enjoyed our time together. I'm going to be sad uh, when this is all over. Yeah, I'll see you in October. Yeah, we might have to run another festival at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so question for you. So, you know, you're, you know, you've got the two New York comedy clubs, and then you have, 
is it three other uh, rooms, or is it more than three now? Uh, yeah, we have three. We have Atlantic City, uh, we have Philly, and then we have Fairfield. And the concept between these other, you know, it took us a while to actually call them clubs because <clears throat> my idea of a comedy club is what you get when you come to New York. Um, when you come to the New York Comedy Club, it is exactly what you think of a New York City comedy club. It's got the legendary brick wall. It's got the neon sign. It's just dripping with comedy. I mean, if you walk into the comedy club at 4 o'clock, there's, there's people signing up for open mics. There's comics writing. I mean, it is literally wall-to-wall -wall comedy every single second of the day. And that's how I envision what a comedy club to be. Um, when we opened up all these other places outside the city... You know, the idea of doing something in a lobby of a hotel or like an AC or at like a nightclub, it was hard for me to say, well, that's a comedy club. But 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 understanding the the how comedy is outside of New York, you know, when you go to a comedy club outside of New York City, a lot of these places are in these like back rooms. You know, some some of the most some of the best comedy clubs are in laundromats, you know, or, or comedy shows are in like these weird places, libraries. So, you know. Now that, you know, I've gotten more accustomed to what it's like outside of New York, I I've realized, you know, as long as you have an audience, as long as you have a great crowd, and as long as you have kick-ass comics, a stage and a mic, and you approach it the right way, these are comedy clubs. And the truth is, Fairfield, I mean, I'll never forget a few years ago, I was at, Paul Verzi did his Comedy Central special, who hopefully makes it on time for this, but he's going to be headlining the next shows. Uh, he did his Comedy Central special. Afterwards, we're all hanging out, and Pete Davidson was there. And Pete did one of the first shows we had here. And uh, Pete's at New York all the time. And Pete's like, dude, I love, I love your comedy club. I cannot wait to get back there. I'm like, yeah, dude, of course. I'm like, you're in New York all the time. You're always at the New York. Just come whenever. He goes, no, 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 Fairfield. I was like, really? I'm like, the lobby of a hotel? And he was like, dude, it was amazing. He's like, it, it was one of the best, you know, road rooms, you know, I've been to. Yeah. Um, and we get that from a lot of the comics in New York. Like, coming out here is such a treat for them. It's such a, it's nice. It gets them, even when I picked up Rail earlier from his hotel, he's like, it's so nice being out here. There's, like, trees, and you can breathe, and there's fresh air, and <laughs> people are so nice, and people want to be here. Um, because there's just an edge in New York, you know, like just everything is so nice. So the more we've gotten, you know, sinked our teeth into this and, and, uh, it's really kind of dawned on us like, Hey, this, I would put this comedy club up against, or what we do here up against any other comedy club experience outside the city. And there are, there's different levels to it. You know, Atlantic city, I would say is a little further along than where we are now, but the market's a little more. Uh, it plays to it more because we're in a casino where you know we're, we're now at the Tropicana But we're gonna be moving to a different casino and we're running that more like five nights a week But it's it's all about us kind of testing these markets, right? We're trying to just see okay Is there a market for it? Is there a demand do people want comedy in Fairfield and what we've realized with the festival and just doing what we do here and at Penfield and Norwalk is that there is so the next steps is or the next steps are okay do we now go into getting maybe our own shop? Do we move it from this into another place? But, you know, this is a cool thing, what this we have. Good, the BYOB, yeah. and it's kind of like this it's cool weird. little novel. It's yeah, it's weird. and magic it, to it. It has a magic to it. Um, so, yeah, so again, yes, we have three comedy clubs outside the city. They're a little different, but um, but they are. They're comedy clubs, and for Fairfield sure. And Fairfield is the best of those? Fairfield is, well, question the best. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> Listen up, Russ. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Fairfield is such a fun, and, and it's, it's exactly how, you know, when you and I talked about it, it's how we envisioned it. You know, we are an hour from the city. Um, 
and and you're it is speeding. and it's speeding. you're speeding hour and 15 max <laughs> but you know in many cases it takes a comedian it could take a comic an hour to get to brooklyn you know um and for them to not have to stay overnight to not have to drive more than two hours to come and do a one-nighter and get back you know when we have comics doing the shows here um they are going back to do the eleven thirty show at our club in new york oh by so, the way i talked to them they don't want to do that anymore yeah well i <laughs> I know when we started doing this, uh, you know, uh, we do two, you know, they do two shows here. And one of the concerns is like, oh, we're getting these great headliners and they're passing up, you know, other spots in New York to come do two shows here. We want to give them more stage time. So we was like, oh, we'll get them on the late show at New York. Uh, but then they come here and they're like, oh, I don't want to have to go do that room. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm on this high from, you know, our. Uh, yeah, they say that to you. But when they when we pay them in New York, they're like, OK, this oh, is no, good. No, no, I think you should still pay them. Uh, no one's ever told me. That, right, Amy? I feel like people are like, hey, am I getting that spot at 1130? <laughs> I'll just say Joe it's, said you don't want it. It's not every it's, it's not everybody. Uh, yeah. It's not every. But I think some people would. Uh, they just want to hang out with me after the show. Yeah. I, uh, I've got some pretty good weed. But but yeah. So it's. um. It's, you know, again, I grew up in Connecticut. We grew up in Connecticut, and I, I would have killed to have had something like what we're doing here uh, when I was, you know, in college or high school even, you know, to be able to come and see guys like a Paul Verzi, Rel Battle. I mean, we've had Artie Lang here. We've had Jamie Kennedy here. Um, we've had Joe List here. I mean, we've had some, I mean, honestly. Joe Garricks, even. Joe Garricks. Um, <laughs> Some of the bet Krista Stefano. I mean, we've had some really ridiculous talent here. And even the comics that you don't get to really, maybe you don't know as well. You know, these are all comedians that are, are, are excellent. So. Yeah. No, yeah, it's an excellent room. It's weird because, you know, when you set it up and when you look at this place and you guys are here now, uh, it should suck here. Uh, this should be a terrible room for comedy. Uh, it's really weird. It doesn't look like a comedy club. It's not dark in here. We have white chairs and a white floor. Uh, and we have like these lame curtains in the back that are they are fireproof so you know you're safe uh but it shouldn't work but it does for some reason it it, it, it and it works really well um and you know and, and it's a it's a true testament oh paul's here great it's a true testament to paul verzi everyone right hey. there and it really is a true testament to the people of of this community um because I mean, everyone, again, every comic, when they perform here, they're like, they're just so happy to be here. And I'm like, yeah, because they have nothing else going on. <laughs> you know, in New York, man, sometimes the audiences are rough. Sometimes they're pissed off. Ah, there's a two drink minimum. They're complaining about the drink minimum or the popcorn isn't salty enough or they got a Groupon and the Groupon says they're supposed to get a free drink, but there is no free drink here. It's just very straight to the point. It's like, hey, buy a ticket. You're going to come here, bring your own beer, bring your cheese plates, bring your whatever you want, uh, and just laugh your asses off. And also, another cool thing, too, about this, which is very helpful for the performer, is there's no waitress you know, coming around asking for drinks. There's no interruption. Um, there's no check spot. You know, A check spot is the part of a show where checks get dropped. And so there's like 20 minutes of just chaos where people are paying their bills. And a lot of times when you do a comedy club, let's say in Pittsburgh, I was just talking actually with um, Chris Stefano about this. Sal Vacano from uh, Practical, Impractical Jokers was headlining at the Pittsburgh Improv. And for 30 minutes during his 45-minute set, people were paying the bill. You know, so that's tough for a comic. Yeah. Whereas here, it's a straight hour and a half show. There's no interruption. It's just people are just there to laugh, you know. Um, 
it hurts for us to make money because we're not serving drinks, but <laughs> but it's it's for the performance value of it. It's great. Yeah, no, I agree. It, it, that that's one of the things that really makes it work here. Um, you know, the the shape of the room as well, the low ceiling. There's a lot of things that you just you start to figure out. I mean, are there any you know factors in terms of like what makes a room good that you see as kind of like continuous amongst all your clubs? Um, yeah. I mean, listen, bo- comics is the main thing. You have to. You have to have strong comics, and you're going to get good comics by treating them well, and you got to create an atmosphere and a vibe. It, again, it does not matter where you're doing it for the most part. You can do it in a laundromat. You can do it in a library. But if you create the right atmosphere for comedy and you have the right comedians there and the right audience members, it's going to be a hit. You know, We took over a club in New York City that was falling apart. I mean, I did not want to go there. We, before we bought the club we were promoting various comedy clubs in new york we had an opportunity to go to the new york comedy club which was really considered a dead place um and i did not want to go there um and you know when i did finally go check it out i mean i never stepped foot in there the owner at the time was saying listen you know go there i trust me knowing because he knew me and he's like knowing how you are you're gonna fall in love with the places i liked real nitty-gritty new york type places i like these like cool like just authentic kind of hole in the walls and i remember walking in the place and saying wow this could be a special place i went to a show there and it was a nightmare because it was run poorly and the lights were bright and there was no real service and i just couldn't put my head my, my partner and i scott were like i don't get it like who is seating these people why is there not a bartender like why is there one waitress what the hell is happening here um is this but, like the origin story of how you became crazy this is how i became crazy <laughs> But then, you know, when we saw the show, the showroom was just so great. We're like, you know, comedy in here could be really special. So when we took over the club and officially bought it, we didn't really do anything for about a year, at least aesthetically. We didn't change anything, nothing. All we did was get some lights, dimmed it out, created an atmosphere, put some nice music on, greeted people, smiled at the customers, um, treated the comics well. And all the, I, I'm not kidding. People were like, dude, the place looks great. I love what you did. We're like, we didn't do anything. All we did was put a freaking dimmer over there so it wasn't so bright. <laughs> um, and then we just slowly started chipping away at it and chipping away at it. And, and, and again, it is really all about the comedians. You know, um, I met Paul because Pete Davidson and Giannis Pappas told Paul about the club. Um, and, and Paul will say this. Paul would never have stepped foot in the New York Comedy Club ever. In fact, I think when they told him, he was like, where? Um, and then he came, and, and now, you know, because of comics like him and comics like Rel and guys like you, they're telling people about it, you know, about the New York. Com- and now New York is different. We have two rooms, and we've yeah. turned our corner. And that gives us credibility and legitimacy when we want to do something like this. You know, when I say, hey, come to Fairfield. It's in a lobby of hotel. It's going to be freaking weird. <laughs> but, but trust me. But it's going to be fun. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think... At least, you know, the comics believe me. They're like, you know what? We believe you. We, we feel, you know, we're, we trust you because, you know, you've been able to kind of prove in your, your trustworthy with this stuff. And, and again, every comic that comes here, they say the same thing. When we walked in, we were terrified. And when we left, we wanted to go back. Yeah. yeah. So. So, uh, so now you're booking uh, not the New York clubs, but you're booking the satellite rooms. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we spoke with Amy and she kind of told us like, you know, the best approach, uh, to get booked by her, uh, which is to have Sam Murrell, uh, 
recommend you. Yeah. Um, yeah. But let's say, let's say you know, you're someone who's really talented. Uh, you're very funny. Uh, Amy won't book you for some reason. <laughs> for some reason, she flat out refuses to. Uh, so now you gotta go. You gotta go somewhere else. So you're like, oh, I'll talk to Emilio. It's so backwards. Though, how do isn't we? It? How do we convince? They them? come to me because they're scared of Amy. It should be the other way around, but anyway. But uh, but how? So if somebody's coming to you, wants to get booked. What's what's the best path with you? How hey, I could bring forty people. <laughs> so th- there it is for Emilio. Can you no, can you go bring her show? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, do you have a car? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but you're not. I mean, there's a little truth to that, right? Well, I mean, you know, I, I well, yeah, sure. But I mean, you got to be funny. I mean, you know, I- in Atlantic City and the other places, it's a little different because we'll pick a headliner and I'll tell the headliner, hey, do you have someone who you want to open for you? Um, you know, send me some names, and, and, and if I like them, awesome. Yeah. Um, but if it's if it's a young comic who, who isn't associated with a headliner, you know, obviously I like to ask for recommendations. I'll do my homework. I'll check them out on social media. I'll ask comics if they know them. But I'm pretty, I'm pretty lenient with stuff. I think everyone deserves a shot. Um, you know, I'm one of these guys where you're going to get a shot with me, but if you don't come through, then I'm not going to work with you again. You know, so my kind of philosophy is, and it's kind of like how I was when I was a kid. My parents let me do whatever I wanted, and if I screwed up, I couldn't do it again. So I kind of have that kind of approach with everything. Like, hey, be a good person. Don't be difficult to work with. You know, be professional. Be funny. And if you do that, I'll work with you. And then maybe you'll get a chance to talk to Amy. <laughs> um, and then we go that. toss up. <laughs> but, I mean, l- when, 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 I get when I stopped booking the New York Comedy Club, um, and Amy took over. People were like, well, what are you going to do now with yourself? And, and that's a, a big reason why we started these other rooms is I love booking shows. I love putting together, you know, set lists. You know, I like – I think there's a real art behind it. Like if I have a comic going first, second, third, fourth, there's a reason why I have it in that order. Um, and so, you know, these other rooms are sort of an extension because it's like, hey, you know, you might not be able to perform in New York right now, but I'm going to give you an opportunity on the road. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to work with these great comics, I- which is really cool for them, too. You know, th- um, Shuli Egger from the Howard Stern Show, um, we work with him a lot, and we had a comic open for him. And the highlight of his, you know, year was working with Shuli from Stern. And that's very, very cool. Yeah. You know, so it kind of extends our reach a bit, and it gives a lot of – because there is limited space in New York. You know, there's only – even though we have two clubs, there's not that much – there just aren't that many spots. So for me to be able to offer comics, you know – a night in Philly or or even a comic who maybe isn't really ready to be a headliner, but to give them an opportunity to do 45 minutes on a Monday night in Atlantic City uh, means a lot to them, and it means a lot to me, and it builds equity. And, you know, hopefully a year, two years from now when they are really legit headliners, um, then, you know. you below market value. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no, but then, you know, they, they, they remember that, and, you know, they, they, they feel a, a certain sense of, oh, that guy gave me a shot when nobody else did. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I want to say it's it's been great what you've done, you know, as a comic who works with you. Uh, I, w- I kind of just want to thank you because I think you've provided a great opportunity for so many of us to perform, you know, here and at those other clubs. You know, comics, we, you know, we can find our own stage, but we can't necessarily find as good of stages as you've kind of set us up with. So, uh, you know, as I look at kind of my career path, I 
attribute a lot of the success that I'm having now uh, to the partnership with you. And I'm sure I'm not the only comic who feels that way. So I just want to say uh, thanks for everything. No, of course, and thank you. I mean, like, you know, it, it's 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 really awesome. You know, I I gr I graduated from college and um, I did not know what I want to do in my life. My brother's uh, a banker. All my friends are lawyers or bankers. They all have like white collar jobs, and I I didn't really know because I always kind of took it the safe route. You know, I went to the right high school, I, I went to the right college, and I even took a corporate job after school. And when I was 25, I was like, I cannot do this. I have to take a risk. And I quit my, my job, which paid very well, and started selling tickets in Times Square. I mean, that's literally, I would run into friends of mine who were lawyers being like, what the hell are you doing out here? <laughs> and And now, they're envious yeah. because I get to – I genuinely wake up every day, and I'm pumped to do what I do. I'm excited to be around the people I'm excited with or I'm, I'm around. So, you know, I, I'm more grateful than any – you know, any – than what I appreciate what you just said, but I'm more grateful for people like you than you probably are for me because you allow us to do to do this. Yeah. You well, know? It's, uh, it's a great partnership. I want to thank you for everything, and I want to thank you for being on the pod. Guys, Emilio Savone. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for listening to the It's a Hustle podcast. If you enjoyed the way you listened, please give us a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to your podcast. Uh, special thanks to Eric Donnelly of the Alternate Roots for our amazing theme song, to Brendan Rulane at Light Switch Advisor for our website and social media needs. Check him out if you need any help in those areas. And, of course, to Vans, who provide all of our footwear. Have a good one.